All right, we'll start out. So I'm Alex, so just you know voices, David. Uh, David, say hi. Hi, I'm David. Ezra? Hi, I'm Ezra. Chris? Hey, I'm Chris. Morning, David. Hi. And uh, Bruiser? Oh, hi, I- I'm I'm Bruiser. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to think of a manly name for you to have since you're the only girl on the show. Hi, I'm Bruiser. <laughs> <laughs> Morning, meet suits and meet dresses. Welcome back to Read It and Weep. We are a good podcast about bad books, movies, and television. This is episode number 108. We have now done as many episodes as the number of suitors coveting Penelope in the Odyssey. Speaking of really long journeys, this week we're reading the second half of The Host by Stephanie Meyer and other 12 hours of audiobook, bringing our two week total to 24 unbearable hours. You can read along for free. If you want to get those 24 unbearable hours, you can get them for free by going to audiblepodcast.com slash weep, keeping in mind that free is the intellectual's suggested retail price of Stephanie Meyer's works. You can go to that address, sign up for a free trial, and you get to keep the audiobook, and you support our show, and keep the support of our show, even if you cancel. I'm not saying you should cancel, but if you do, it's okay. So do that now. We really appreciate it. If you want to suggest a topic, if you have anything else you want us to talk about, go to read-weep.com slash suggest and on the right-hand side, you'll see things you can vote on that other people suggested, and you can suggest more topics, and we will discuss them there as well. Let me introduce you to today's panel. First up, of course, I'm your host. I'm Alex Falcone. I'm a comic from Portland. Uh, you can see some clips of me on my website, alexfalconecomedy.com, and you should because my jokes are lights out like they were the clapper. Oh, that is topical. I've got a very special guest with me today. First up, he, he went from being crazy old man to being king of the caves, both king and caves spelled with K. In Northern California, it's Ezra Fox. This apocalypse is going my way. It is. Everything's coming up Jeb in the apocalypse. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> <laughs> also joining us today, he's a good doctor with a 0% survival rate among his patients. <laughs> in Seattle, Washington, it's Chris. Well, I could cut him up, but you could just show me how to finger bang the aliens. <laughs> We're going to talk about that again later. Please, no. <laughs> also joining us, she's lived 10 lifetimes on 10 different planets. That's right. She's wandered all over the place. In studio in Seattle, it's Tanya. I'm so lonely. Find me a partner. Find me a... Oh, okay. Thanks. (laughs) So today, uh, Chris, uh, as always, we have to have you summarize the second book. Uh, Yes. Wow, you're excited for this one, it sounds. Uh, No, I I just... I'm trying to actively listen. I statements, Alex. Okay. Uh, I would like you to summarize in the style of of a newly arrived alien on the planet recalling the memories of his body, I think. I want. I do. Okay, guys. Alien parasites calling themselves souls have taken over planet Earth, and only small pockets of the pure humans are left out in the wild trying to survive. Wanderer is a soul who's taken over the body of a young woman named Melanie, who she can hear in her head still, and has found it difficult to deal with Melanie's memories and emotions, and has gone out on her own and joined Melanie's brother, boyfriend, and uncle, who are hiding in some lava tube system with like 30 or so other pure humans. Anyway, so Melanie's little brother, so that's the host body's little brother, Jamie, gets an infection, and the cave doesn't have the proper medicine, so Wanderer and Melanie's old boyfriend, Jared, go out to steal some medicine from the aliens. 
Uh, and that actually is pretty easy and uneventful. So uh, the medicine <laughs> works, which is also pretty easy and uneventful. And little brother Jamie gets better. And then some, there's some guy called Ian who likes the Wanderer, who they now call Wanda, and uh, gets upset whenever she's in danger. But they go out on more easy but uneventful raids for food and supplies and everything else to get the good stuff, because the aliens took all the good stuff. The soul lady, called uh, the, the Seeker, has been hunting Wanda ever since she went native, and eventually finds the caves. She shoots a couple of dudes, but they capture her. And Wanda teaches the humans how to cut out a soul from a human body and keep both alive. Which she's known about the whole time. She's known about the whole time. It's been a big problem, and she was never just like, hey, I know how to do that. Well, she did say it was the one deepest, darkest secret that they could never torture out of her. At which point I was like, I bet that's how to finger bang an alien out of the back of your neck. Yeah. Um, So she does (laughs) this, and and, and they, they capture some other souls, and Wanda decides she wants to give Melanie her body back. So um, they, they go ahead and take her out, and they put her in the body of some weird blonde girl. And Ian, that guy from before, loves Wanda all the same, in case you were concerned about Wanda continuing to be a parasite on a human and that being a moral gray area. It is. Ta-da! <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the book. Everybody's happy and in heterosexual couples by the end. Everybody's so. paired off. Yep. And not just heterosexual couples. Heterosexual couples where the man is much bigger and stronger and can carry the woman around, and often does. Yes. All the freaking time. Yeah, it's like it's like they're dating sacks of potatoes. <laughs> Personality-wise, that's true too. <laughs> All right, it's time. Uh, it's time for the compliment sandwich. We like to start and end every show with a compliment. It's how we make ourselves fair and legitimate criticism, as certified by the Fair and Legitimate Criticism Board of of Costa Rica. You can't get a legitimate license in the U.S. anymore. But anyway, uh, so that's what we do. And uh, so, Tanya, as the guest, you have the right to go first or last in the opening compliment. What do you prefer? I'm going to go first. Are you going to go? Going to go then. I'm going to go. Um, so <laughs> so I think my, my compliment first off will be I, I wasn't sure how this was going to end up. Like, And not to say that I didn't have a really strong intuition that it would end up well but I wasn't sure what well was going to mean like I I was and I was also I was a little torn about like you know like obviously Melanie has to be on her own but like maybe I don't know maybe she and and Wanda could like share Jared (laughs) or or something like I was I was a little like work out some sort of timeshare agreement with her brain yeah yeah (laughs) you get a few weeks but then your cousin gets a few weeks and then you trade it for a couple weeks in Tucson. Yeah. Sure, uh, sure. And then when you try to sell it, it's like way less than what we paid for. Way less value. Oh, of course. Those maintenance fees keep going up. Yeah. <laughs> ah, I mean, or like the, okay, like that documentary that everyone likes to talk about, about the, the women that were conjoined twins, like at the head, and the one like rode around on a little table, and like they both got married. <laughs> Somehow that worked out. Like, Of course people want to talk about it. What? <laughs> Yeah, when do we get little tables that you can ride on? Wait, when is this? Where is this documentary? I don't know. I feel like this is the, this is something that comes up a lot with like me and people that I talk to, where they're like, "Oh, remember that thing about the conjoined twins?" And like, I wish I was one of the people one of them was to. like dark haired and the other was a redhead, and one of them wanted to be well, a country singer. Maybe I made this up. This starts to sound really weird. Oh, I'm sorry. That wasn't a movie. That was uh, that was nothing. <laughs> anyway, my my compliment for the for the first time around is is really that that uh, Meyer kept me guessing a little bit. Well, here's here's what ruined it for me was I I saw on Stephanie Meyer's website that she's planning on making the host into a trilogy, 
<gasps> oh. Wait, you guys are surprised? You can't write one young adult book anymore. Even if she was the kind of author who wanted to kill the character off, which of course she isn't, uh, you can't get a publishing deal for one book. But we were so, it was so pat by the end that I was i was shocked there was an epilogue. I was like, I think we all know how this goes. Well, the it's epilogue was the like, oh, and by the way, there are more humans. Book twos oh. and threes. <laughs> anyway, that was my compliment. All right. <laughs> I'm going to go second in the compliment because uh, we talked about this just a second ago and I want to get it out. Um, I want to compliment Stephanie Meyer because while her writing of love scenes is horrifying and disturbing and unlike any love that any human has ever tried... Um, her descriptions of surgery without proper tools, very sexy. <laughs> oh, no. To get the alien out of the human body, uh. you cut the little hole in the neck, and then you stick your fingers in, and then you find the pearl that needs to be massaged until the alien decides to come out of the body. <laughs> Do you have a clip for this? So we yeah, can yeah, it. you're going to hear more of it, because I thought about doing a censored tr- track. You don't need it, because it's There's just a... so hot. I slid one fingertip carefully along the back ridge of the tiny silver creature until my finger was almost entirely inserted into the hot opening at the base of the host body's neck. I traced my way to the anterior antennae, feeling the taut lines of the bound attachments stretch tight like harp strings into the deeper recesses of her head. I don't know about you guys, but that whole thing, I was tingly the whole time. I hope that Barry White is like the backing track for this whole situation. It will be now. I twisted my finger around the underside of the soul's body, caressing down from the first segment along the other line of attachments, as stiff and profuse as the bristles of a brush. I stroked my way about a third of the way down. There it was, the little ridge that made this joint just a bit bigger. A seed pearl rather than a pinhead. It was smooth under my fingertip. I pressed against it with gentle pressure, tenderly massaging. Relax, I breathed. <laughs> so that's my comment that is a sexy writer right there so we know if she has a dinner she just doesn't know what it's like when it's sex <laughs> ew All right. okay Chris, <laughs> your compliment so mine is that Stephanie Meyer gave me a great excuse for not being funny at parties um, whenever you make a bad joke or you're in an awkward situation and you say the wrong thing uh, you can do what Wanda does and you just say oh, it, it sounds better in bear yeah <laughs> There's this point, because Wanda's been to so many planets and she tries yeah. to tell these stories. I think she told some sort of joke or aphorism or something, and it was about, like, I don't know, The ice. broad side of the sun always smiles on the tree's back. Yeah, or something yeah. like that. And everyone's like, huh? Because that makes no sense. Yeah. And then she's like, well, it's, it sounds better in Bear. It sounds be- well, yeah, because in Bear it's like, <laughs> <laughs> And everyone's like, oh! And everyone's like, oh, yeah, the broad side of the sun, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah the haiku. <laughs> <laughs> it rhymes in its native bear. Because <laughs> broad, broad rhymes it does, it's, it's a rhyming language. Uh, all right, Ezra, major compliment. Okay, um, I will say this to Stephanie Meyer. She does consistently create very annoying female characters. <laughs> um, but nice I think compliment. because she hates them so much, 
she always makes sure that they get hit in the face repeatedly <laughs> repeatedly and like all of the other books the the main female character spends the climax of the book passed out i didn't yeah. even realize that but she totally does she's like <laughs> yeah. all right i'm gonna go down while you guys do all of the great work that you have to do and then epilogue is like oh and then she woke up and everything was great but it's just like every other book from this that series like so punched in the face passed out and then yeah. resolution <laughs> So, I mean, I guess my compliment is, you know, for Stephanie Meyer, possibly hating the characters even more than I do, that she wants to do them physical harm whenever possible. Always has to do it. Yeah. Also, it leads to a lot of people, like, constantly, like, looking at her face and being like, All right, so now it's time for our uh, normal game, our hate game. This week it's called Hate, Hate, Don't Tell Me. It's a it's a hate news quiz. It's a hate news quiz. Ezra came up with that one. Give him a high five next time you see him. All right, so, uh, wow, you saw him already? Uh, I We both high five at the same time. Oh, cool. All right, so uh, I guess I'll start out with the hates. I was really disappointed uh, that in the ending Wanda didn't get her own TV show. I felt like I'd been lied to the whole book. You want, you want her to host something? I want her to be hosting something at some point. Oh, just just even an awards gala or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would like even the Emmys. Even like not a good one. <laughs> the Emmys. <laughs> oh, even the daytime Emmys. Even the daytime Emmys. I just wanted to host something. So, so your hate is that the title didn't play out literally in all the possibilities <laughs> that it could have. Is that yeah? Nobody threw a dinner, no party. dinner party. And also, yeah. <laughs> I I think that yeah that summarizes my hate very well. And in fact, Doesn't we can copy paste that to most books. Do, but don't you think? I mean, because Wanda, Wanda is the is the soul. So Melanie is the host body. You're right. So that was so one of the ways you wanted Melanie to host something. <laughs> no, I wanted a I wanted a two inch silvery worm with a big clitoris on its head to host the. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like that. I would probably watch that. <laughs> I won you over. Until it went too long with like the musical number, right. but yeah, still. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, anybody else hates? Yeah. Okay. So, and Tanya, I don't. I don't know. We we've been joking about this a little bit during the thing, but there's this one point which, when Jamie's dying of an infection, mm-hmm. the line goes. Jamie, Jamie, yes, Jamie, Jamie, Jamie. Like a multiple, multiple, multiple. <laughs> Play that clip. I should have gone into, the, gone in and like read it again to see how many times she's just like Jamie. But so, um, uh, anyway, but our version actually, we have the remix um, <laughs> with Justin Bieber's "Baby." <laughs> Jamie, Jamie, Jamie. No, oh, like, like Jamie. <laughs> No! <laughs> Hit me, Jamie, one more time. Yes. <laughs> Teach me how to Jamie, Jamie. <laughs> Other hates? I, I, I gotta hate that uh, lack of follow-through. I mean, they she inadvertently created a fantastic job. We don't see any of it. Um, and so, that, you know, right? Well, so you know uh, all the drugs are just named for exactly what they do. Yes. Oh, God. Oh, you know? big hate over here, yes. <laughs> right? So, so... Actually, so, um, there's inside clean and there's also clean. Mm-hmm. So, like, there one's like a surface antibiotic, like disinfectant, and the other one's like a like internal like set of antibiotics. Mm-hmm. That's inside clean. And heal heals and smooth smooths and no pain yeah. is no pain. Yeah. yeah. I mean, which means that like 
there is like a fantastic uh, uh, calling, capital C, that you can have in this world, which is just like you know, labeling and coming up with the marketing department of these drugs. Yeah. Like you just, it's the. Can you imagine like, all right, we have to have a drug that um, you know uh, makes you uh, hungry. Call it hunger. Hunger, yeah. Let's break for lunch. I, I really <laughs> crushing it. <laughs> I really like. Uh, I, I really like that. Eventually, as the bodies start to break down, someone's going to have to invent old man get boner pill. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, my thing is like I see the beauty of the simplicity of this, but it could totally lead to a lot of confusion. For instance, so the outside clean is that for disinfecting wounds, or is it for stripping paint off house sidings, or is it for cleaning up spilled spaghetti sauce? This is a great point. I mean, and when they when they started using heel, I thought they just made you bony and calloused. That's right. So I mean, I think confusion <laughs> and disaster seems pretty inevitable. With and, this yeah, and can answer. inside clean double as a douche or not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, and like, is the cancer drug just called "Hey, body, stop freaking the fuck out"? <laughs> <laughs> Chill your shit out. Yeah. Now. Well, I mean, actually, that's that's the problem with really with the really small names. Like, at least like, "Hey, body, stop freaking your shit out." Like that, you can. It's hard to take that one wrong. But like, smooth could just make you hairless. Yeah, and, or it could be sandpaper. Yeah, you know, like. Yeah, and and if you put too much cool on your on your arm, it could just make your arm way more badass than you are. Yeah, it's like smoking three cigarettes at the same yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, it's got that like cool with the It's K got like a, a wrap arm gesture that it's permanently stuck in. You just, but your rest of your body's wow. not ready to keep up. Please tell me what are the wrap arm <laughs> gestures that you know? Uh, elbow out, hand towards body, uh, hands in the <laughs> air as if I was apathetic. That's two. Uh, and then making a W that looks uh, almost cursive because the middle is so, you know, it's got like two lines on it. Wow. That's what happens That's if you sad. spray cool on my hand. <laughs> just indicates which side of the city I'm from. Or country, I don't know. Wait, are you saying that you don't know whether east side and west side refers to a specific city or the coasts? <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I, I assumed West Side just meant anything on this side of the Mississippi, <laughs> right? That's the that's the standard dividing line. Yeah, that that is the most of the the main rap feud started uh, back with Louisiana. It was all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing that that shit never dies. You know, you hold a grudge forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, other hates. I got a hate on just uh, lack of research. All right. At one point, um, Wanda is out in the open. And um, she uh, she says it's like the opposite of claustrophobia, and and <gasps> to hell with Stephanie Meyer for not looking up uh, you know what that would what that word is because there totally is a term and it's uh, agoraphobia. Agoraphobia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that bugged me too. Where she's not just like, what is she trying to make her dumb? They're like, it was like the opposite of white. Yeah. <laughs> it was the opposite of cold out. We have a word. For that. <laughs> yeah, I, I ate a lot of food. I was the opposite of. It's hungry. uncold out Come here. On. Yeah. I'm unhungry. Double plus unhungry. <laughs> yeah. So here's something I hate. I hate that there are so many things about this book that I are exactly like Twilight. In that I feel like we found there's like a list of things Stephanie Meyer can't write a book without. And I okay. mentioned the uh, books where men carry the women around all the time, yes. which she's clearly really into. Maybe she just loves piggyback rides. You know, <laughs> they seem thrown or like or like princess carried most of the time. A lot like, of princess really, carried. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. And she also can't write books without people watching other people sleeping, uh, without um. color changing eyes. Like she's got a very specific list of things she needs. Yeah, touch that that hurts because yeah. it's so amazing. 
Yeah, a lot of like, like similar to the fire thing, she said that their lips fused together like separation wasn't inevitable. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> <laughs> it be so awkward after that. Problem. <laughs> that makes me double plus unhungry. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me super unhard. <laughs> Luckily, there's a little jar of something called Stiffy that'll help you right out. <laughs> This ad was required, but not approved by Audible. Meanwhile, back at the parasitic alien psychiatrist office. So, your body is resisting you, sleeps on hills. Mm, yes, comforter. Kevin, the original host, is 16 and seems to have a large hormone imbalance. Is that why you're currently humping my low-backed couch? Yes, I believe so. Hey, couch. How you doing? I will shortly require a new couch. Very shortly. Have you attempted distracting Kevin? I took him to the bookstore once. Hello, I'm Reeds with Nerds. Ooh, librarian fetish. Your body seems to be humping my leg. I apologize, Reeds with Nerds. I will need to get you a new pair of pleated khakis shortly. Very shortly. That is unpleasant. Yes. I do have this pill. It's called No Boner. <laughs> Good luck. There is another way. AudiblePodcast.com slash read it and weep. You can get a free audiobook with one week free trial and download Sigmund Freud's Civilization and its Discontents instead of just humping my marble bust of him. I will get you a new marble bust shortly. Very shortly? AudiblePodcast.com slash read it and boner. I mean, read it and weep. Why do I keep bonering boner? So guys, this is David Barkhartley. He's one of the hosts of the Geek's Guide to the Galaxy, sci-fi podcast on uh, on io9, and he's also a writer of science and speculative fiction. So this is going to be our expert for today. Hello. I guess I'll start out, David. Um, so Stephanie Meyer, the reason we want to talk to you is Stephanie Meyer repeatedly says in interviews that this book is sci-fi for people who don't like sci-fi, which seems to me like a really insulting position to take from the get-go. So do you think this helps the world of, of science fiction fans or hurts it to have an author like this who can bring in new fans, even if they're admittedly people who only like terrible books. You know, sort of the first thing to say about that is that sort of real science fiction fans are annoyed just by the term sci-fi to start with. I was, I was worried about that. I knew that it was, as it was coming out of my mouth, that I was screwing it up. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, obviously if, if you're into science fiction, you sort of get used to, uh, you know, being insulted and stuff. So you, you kind of develop a, a thick skin about it. But uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. But I mean, you know, the term sci-fi was kind of invented by a, a fan named Forrest J. Ackerman in the 70s because he thought it sounded cool, you know, because he thought it sounded kind of like hi-fi. And it just doesn't yeah. sound, you know, it just sounds kind of trashy and, and not serious. Harlan Ellison famously said that it, that the, the term sci-fi sounds like crickets fucking. <laughs> so and that's the first thing i mean just whenever an author just uses the term sci-fi you know they're just sort of immediately suspect uh you know right. but uh and then I mean, this is a really common thing that um people who perceive science fiction as not having you know not something that's going to increase their social status will you know try to distance themselves from it 
um, you, no matter how ridiculously science fictional their work actually is. I mean, like this happened with Battlestar Galactica. You know, it happened with Harry Potter. Uh, I mean, uh, it's it's yeah, it's it's really really annoying. Um, <laughs> and you know, you would just just wish for once some popular author would just say, you know, here's this book I've written. It's science fiction. It's really good. Science fiction is really good. So is my book. Everyone should read more science fiction. So what's the what's the politically correct term? Is it science fiction? Is it speculative fiction? Is it differently abled? What do you prefer? <laughs> I, I mean, you could say science fiction. You could say speculative fiction. You could say SF. Really, SF is more acceptable than sci-fi. Oh, for sure, yeah. You know what? I mean, I understand the crickets complaint, but you guys really should go back to honoring that because it rhymes, and that's very useful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and because most genres of literature tend to rhyme, which is totally important. <laughs> <laughs> Historical romance, yeah. yeah romance, bromance. Yeah. yeah, romance, romance. <laughs> <laughs> well, rom com rhymes, right? Rom com. That, that's poetry, flowetry. That's usually a movie. <laughs> Keep it straight, Biography. people. <laughs> All right, so David, uh, what do you think then that people who are not into science fiction, if she's trying to gather them, what do you think they like about this? What does this genre open up to them that they're not getting in their rom coms or their poetry, flowetry? <laughs> and he hasn't read the book, so... Uh, well, I mean, people, you know, who, who aren't really into science fiction often will, uh, you know, they'll get an idea and they, they think, oh, that sounds really cool, you know, like, you know, what if I had telepathic powers or something? And, and they've never read any science fiction, and so they, you know, they kind of reinvent the wheel. You know, they just, just, just do something that was kind of old hat 100 years ago. Sure, yeah. Because, I mean, science fiction concepts are really amazing, and so... I think a lot of people who think that they don't like science fiction will encounter just the most sort of rudimentary science fiction concepts and just be blown away by them uh, if, if, if it somehow penetrates their sort of bubble of snobbishness. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess going along with that, um, you know, this book is about body snatching invader parasites. And that's something that, you know, definitely has shown up before in science fiction. But her body snatching invader parasites are unusually... Well, weak and emotional villains. Yes. Um, can you think of, of anybody who did body snatching well? Or emo parasites. Or well. emo parasites well. <laughs> Either those things done well. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously the classic work would be Robert Heinlein's The Puppet Masters, uh, which is about sort of slug-like aliens that invade and they attach themselves to kind of the back of your neck and, and control and sort of drive you like a car. So, so, so exactly the same thing. <laughs> So that there was also a really, you know, um, uh, uh, there's a young adult science fiction author who's very, very good named William Sleater, who wrote a book called Interstellar Pig, which everyone should read. Uh, he wrote a sequel that wasn't as good called Parasite Pig, but okay. uh, it had kind of an interesting premise because, you know, there's this actual parasite in our world that uh, it needs to get into the digestive system of a bird in order to reproduce. And so what it does is it'll infect ants. And infect, infect their brains and cause them to climb up to the top of grass so that they'll yeah. get eaten. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's the, I, they did this on planet Earth, and it's the scariest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and when you watch it, you're like, it's, there's, it's only days away from them figuring out how to do this to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to step on this ant, and all of a sudden I'm going to climb to the top of a building. And, and then how will a bird eat you? They'll be very big birds, I'm assuming. <laughs> Several days. <laughs> Yeah, that's even better. Several small pigeons, but over over the course of a week. <laughs> um, D David, quick question. Since you haven't read any of this stuff, uh, I think maybe you're in the best position to know. How would you fix this? 
uh, how I mean, I, I actually, I mean, I, I think actually the idea of um, you know parasites, kind of uh, sympathetic parasitic aliens, is, is kind of an interesting idea. I mean, you could do good stuff with that. I actually wrote a story, uh, a short story. It was on. It was never published um, because it was old hat. It's considered too old hat, I guess, within science fiction. Um, uh-huh. that, that kind of explored that idea. The idea was basically that there's a kid and he, uh, uh, you know, the, the aliens took over Earth uh, a long time ago. And, you know, when you reach puberty, they attach a, a parasite alien to your, um, you know, to your body and it, and it takes over you. Just what you need at puberty. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in that one, he, uh, you know, Earth is freed and he's sort of left feeling... Uh, you know that this is this has been a bad thing because you know when you've grown whatever sort of whatever you grow up with you sort of consider normal and he's just completely lost once uh, once the humanity is freed from the the grip of these aliens so i mean if that's i mean that's sort of you know an approach that i would take so as an author i guess then uh let me ask you this would you be willing to write for vampire romances to get the opportunity to publish your really great idea about parasitic aliens <laughs> no. <laughs> what if we paid you a billion dollars, Alex? I don't know if you have the budget for that. Yeah, well, we okay, we can't. But what if teenage girls all over the world pooled their money, like twenty-two dollars at a time? Uh, <laughs> uh, if I were offered a billion dollars, I would probably write some a couple. Of, I mean, but the thing is, you know, that it's it's really hard for me to write anything that I'm not enthusiastic about. Uh, I mean, that's why I write. I write short short stories. I mean, it's not like you know nobody's going to offer you a billion dollars for a short story, right? And your enthusiasm has a duration, so. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, it, it, short of a billion dollars, nothing would convince me to to write anything that I wasn't uh, you know that into writing because writing is hard is hard work, and uh, writing a whole novel that you think is crap is is not uh, is not fun. So so David, if. If we want you to sell out them, we just need to get our fans together uh, to have billion $1 dollars. billion. Dollars. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You'll write some terrible vampire romance. Yeah, yeah. Once you get a billion dollars, definitely, yeah, you know, give me a call. How much for a terrible teen romance uh, haiku? How much do you need for that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I'd do that for, I don't know, 500 bucks. 500 bucks, guys. You heard it here, <laughs> here first. We're going to make our donate button bigger so that this is possible. <laughs> I have like a I have a general question that might be nonsensical, but um, so much of this book, I don't know. Like you, you can just feel from like the very beginning that we're going, we're we're in the direction of a happy ending. Normally, I feel like there's that possibility that things are not going to end well, but here, like it's kind of a foregone conclusion that like everyone gets their own body eventually. Yeah, <laughs> to, like, another body you know, of the opposite gender to cuddle with. Yeah, yeah. to like cuddle with, <laughs> and a cute one too. Yeah, really attractive every time. But I wonder if you if you see kind of an even split between like dystopian endings and and utopian endings, like what what tends to be the norm? Well, I mean, whenever you're talking about science fiction, you have to draw a distinction between books and movies because uh, they oh, tend okay. to be very different from each other. The movies tend to have a lot more sort of happy endings, often in a very, very contrived way. Uh, and that's actually one of, one of my big complaints about alien invasion kind of movies is, is how often humanity you battlefield Earth <laughs> is, is how often humanity prevails in just a ridiculous way. So would you say when you're watching a movie then that is uh, of a scientific fictional nature, do, do you root against humanity? <laughs> uh, I mean, it depends on who the characters are. <laughs> <laughs> like, so if somebody screws it up for us. 
You'll root against us. Yeah, I mean, if it's Independence Day, I was probably rooting against a lot of those characters. Yeah. Yeah, Harry Connick Jr. too. (laughs) Will Smith? How can you root against Will Smith in anything besides a rap career? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's enough, actually. Well, no, actually, I think that kind of raises an interesting point about, like, what makes for a good alien. Like, Ooh, yeah. Really? Okay, so the aliens in this book, their goal seems to be human normalcy. Like, human, like, beyond normalcy, like, <clears throat> like human perfection. Like, everyone's really happy and everyone's really healthy and we all just, like, wander around doing, like, our specific task. Yeah. Their goal is, like, the the, uh, the first, like, third of American Beauty is pretty much what they want That's... to have. Or the first two-thirds <laughs> of Pleasantville. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so... Pleasantville I, before I, yeah. the girl masturbates and makes a tree explode on fire. Oh, that was great. That was part of that movie. <laughs> Back to you, Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess I'm just curious, like, what alien goals have you encountered that you've been like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I like that. Well, I mean, it is it is sort of a problem when you have aliens who act too human. Uh, there is sort of this, this history of aliens coming to Earth to try to improve things and make humans stop being so warlike. I mean, you have, like, The Day the Earth Stood Still and Childhood's End by Arthur C. Clarke. There's actually, I mean, one of my favorite series uh, is by Ian M. Banks. It's a, the Culture series, and they're, they're aliens, and they have, it's, it's this sort of post-scarcity paradise where, uh, if, if post-scarcity means that uh, the technology is such that they have nanomachines and they can just turn anything into anything, so you have no economy in a, a traditional sense because you can just make as much gold as you want or whatever. Oh, that well, sounds like fun. <laughs> and so they, and, and they're very, you know, they're very, uh, have very libertine attitudes towards sex and sort of uh, genetically engineer their bodies so they can have sex, you know, uh, continuously as they want and so on. With like several wings? (laughs) If you want, yeah, sure. Like one of those Nerf guns where when you use one of the darts, it just automatically turns to the next one. Oh, the barrel rotates! (laughs) The barrel rotating wings. Okay, back to you, David. (laughs) You started this one, Ezra, how dare you? (laughs) Uh, and and so the the culture they're they're constantly running up against uh, other uh, you know less uh, sort of uh, enlightened cultures and and they have these sort of secret agents called special circumstances who go into these other cultures and cause them to just sort of collapse from the inside because the culture they don't like to fight if they don't have to that would be sort of my uh, alien agenda I could really get behind <laughs> destroying other cultures from the inside right right yeah yeah. yeah. Are, are there any deal breakers for you, David? Of just like aliens, like if they if this alien does this or looks like this, or you, know, you will not date them. Well, yeah. if they look like a human being with ridges on their forehead, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Bail. I mean, that's that's somewhat uh, justifiable in TV, just because of the budget. I mean, what you can't get like a real alien, you yeah, know, yeah. to be in your show. Not right, not not for TV money. <laughs> they do not work for scale. No. All right, I have, I have one more. I have a personal question for you, David, and then and then I think we'll let you go. So I just noticed on your bio that it said that your father was a prize-winning physicist. Uh, I was just curious how he's responded to you dedicating your life to making up science. Huh. Uh, well, you know, my parents are actually both big science fiction fans, and my dad actually wanted to be a science fiction writer when he was in high school, and that's actually how he got into science. Uh, and then he got seduced into science fact. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's sort of, you know, you get, you know, you get started in physics, and then that kind of takes up a lot of your time. <laughs> <laughs> it's that, that old story. Sure. Yeah. yeah. 
but no, my, my parents have always been just incredibly supportive of me. And that's, that's really nice because a lot of my friends who are writers don't have that kind of support. Uh, and that can make your life very difficult. Yeah, totally understand that situation. All right. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us, David. It's been uh, amazingly insightful and useful and, and interesting. So we really appreciate you making the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, will you take, uh, take a second, give us a, a plug. You can, I, I didn't mention your, your writing career as much uh, in the opening. So you can talk about that, talk more about your podcast, whatever you want to do. Okay, yeah, so I mean, like you said, you know, I do this podcast uh, on io9.com called Geek's Guide to the Galaxy, where we interview science fiction authors and scientists and just generally geeky people. Uh, we've interviewed George R. R. Martin, Orson Scott Card, Robert Kirkman, who did The Walking Dead. Uh, we've interviewed scientists like Neil deGrasse Tyson, uh, Mary Roach is a science writer. Yeah. yeah. And uh, my co-host is John Joseph Adams. He's a fantasy and science fiction book and magazine editor. And um, uh, we just uh, did episode 42 where we focused on Douglas Adams. Uh, our next episode will be we did an interview with China Mievo, who's one of my favorite fantasy authors. And then, yeah, and I've published, I'm a short story writer. I've published about 30 short stories in different magazines uh, and books. Uh, magazines like uh, Realms of Fantasy, Weird Tales, Lightspeed, Intergalactic Medicine Show, and in books like uh, New Voices in Science Fiction, Fantasy the Best of the Year, The Living Dead, and The Way of the Wizard. So, uh, yeah, check this out. I have a website. You can actually read a lot of my stories for free on my website or listen to podcasts of them, stuff like that. Perfect. And that's davidbarkertley.com. Yeah, davidbarkertley.com. Perfect. And we'll have, we'll have links to that on our show page today as well. Thank you again. We really enjoyed talking to you, David. It was wonderful. Yeah, thank you. All right, now it's time for the second half of our compliment sandwich. So we're going to go in reverse order of the way we started. Ezra, what is your minor compliment and the last nice thing you'll ever have to say about the host? At one point, um, it gave me a really nice idea of like sort of a, I guess the the depth the depth possible with uh, all these different worlds. The other alien that turned native uh, is called Burns, and uh, you know we find out you know, what that was short for. Um, he said like something like Burns. What was it? Like, burns the sky or something that burns the, burns the flowers. Yeah. But before we knew that, I was like, man, wouldn't it be great if it was like, it's like, oh yeah, I'm Burns. Short for Burns Whitey. I'm from the racist planet. <laughs> burns, short for cigarette burns on my own arm from the emo planet. Oh. Yeah, I was really thinking. Burns, short for Mr. Burns from the Simpsons. Yeah, that's where I was going. <laughs> Everybody, everybody calls me pet. It's short for heavy petting in the back of my mom's Jeep. From the high school planet. Yeah, from the high school planet. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> from the after school special planet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I want to go there. <laughs> You'll learn something in 30 minutes. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so uh, my last compliment is that Stephanie Meyer, we know, can't write love scenes and she can't write exposition. Mm-hmm. But we found out a different kind of scene that she can't write, which was a nice discovery, which was the <laughs> animal action scene. Uh, there was a scene that had very little to do with anything in that it was a reflection back on the time where she had to do this thing that she doesn't have to do anymore. But when she was an ice bear, she fought something called a claw beast. It was a beast with claws. That's yeah. what we knew. Um, Short for claws, claw beasts are very scary. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> From the broad strokes planet. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My minor compliment is that, uh, uh, so this relates to Tanya's major compliment, which was that she didn't really know what the ending was going to be. And I feel like Stephanie Martin did a lot of stuff where she set up really obvious things and then knocked them down at the end. Um, 
And so I thought that was the same thing with the ending where I like I saw the secret thing coming a long way off. And then, uh, but just to show the microcosm of what she was capable of, she also had this sentence near the end where she said, "The sky was dim and starlit, nighttime." <laughs> oh, you're adding words. When the sun is gone and the stars are out, what could possibly be the ending, Stephanie? So much suspense. Nighttime. Boom. <laughs> Sad. All right, okay. Tanya, your your compliment. Um, well, I, I sort of liked this sneaky reversal, and I guess this goes back to the the names for all of the the medical fixie business. But it made it so that you could have doctors that were really stupid, <laughs> and we're like, what's usually such a like respected and like difficult profession? Like this really involves like assessing somebody's condition like oh you have a giant cut on your arm and then like going to a cabinet and being like well i guess we need some heel like <laughs> it's like children with a doctor playset. yeah it is yeah. It i know is. that i have to use the stethoscope beyond that here's a pill of medicine yeah <laughs> <laughs> really, so great i like, want to hear your heart maybe if i use heart listener yeah like nothing nothing was complicated yeah. this like the healing process easier than the game operation <laughs> <laughs> there's a really funny line also because she was like doc would have been would have made a skilled healer and like it was basically like Percy's fuck doc because <laughs> like it takes nothing <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that is it for our show, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back again next week with number 109. Next week, we'll be talking about Jersey Shore Season 4. Finally, a rhyming season number from the show. They went to Italy, and so we are going to watch it and talk about that. Jace Wow. Yeah, we'll have Jace Wow back. We're going to talk to him again. That'll be very exciting. Anyway, so go watch the first few episodes of that season, and uh, and we can't wait to talk to you about it. If you have any feedback for the show, go to readdeshweep.com slash contact and fill out the little form. You can call us. There's a phone number there. You can also send us a little email. And that is a great way to get in touch with us. Uh, all right, and also for our fans of science or speculative fiction, uh, what's the thing that makes? What's a deal breaker for you when you're reading a, a piece of science fiction? Uh, that's this week's question. What is the thing that makes you go, "Oh, these aliens are stupid," the, or "This book is not going to be any good"? Uh, tell us that on our Facebook page, facebook.com/slash/readitandweep. And you can also give us recommendations. Uh, if if somebody liked this book and you wanted to ease them into science fiction, uh, you can give us recommendations there of science fiction books that you actually enjoy and are better than the host. So we'd love to start that conversation with you on our Facebook page. Thanks, as always, for being here, Chris and Ezra. Yep. Yep. And Tanya, it has been just wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks. Indeed. I can't wait to have you back again. All right, we'll talk to everybody else next week. Goodbye.